What a week it's been, ball boys and girls, and Canada is in full swing because they've managed to come around and take Ireland. But Nigeria has also done the same, so we are gearing up for one heck of a final day in that group stage. So stick around as we get ready to deep dive into everything with the Women's World Cup. And welcome, guys. Thanks so much. I'm Andre, your host. I'm joined by Thomas, the one, the only. How are you doing this morning? Bright and early. It's uh, it's bright and early, but I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Um, it's a beautiful day outside, so that that definitely does help. Well, compared to you know some of the rain that we've been getting over the past little bit and the weather, it's it's nice to have a a good day like this for for some women's World Cup action. So to speak. and the same type of rain they're getting in uh, Australia and New Zealand too. It, oh, not exactly. pretty <laughs> exactly we get to experience the same sort of things as they do which is kind of a, a fun turn of events but sort of jumping into it canada has actually had some fantastic luck this week against ireland because they pulled it around despite what seemed to be a very dicey early affair with ireland scoring first and canada coming around to get a 2-1 victory yeah so it was um quite the shaky start and i think all the players would kind of see that too and i think they needed something like the that a goal like that from mccabe off a corner which is just obviously that's quite rare um to kind of wake them up a bit and i think they needed something i'm sure they felt the adversity after the nigeria game but i think they really needed adversity in the sense of like they they have to go down because their narrative has always been that they're the underdogs and that they will like have to fight through everything and i think in this game that that was it and i noticed right after the uh kenny mccabe goal they all got together in a huddle and like quinn and caitlin sheridan led it and it seemed like they all like that was the wake-up call and then they all got together and said like we got to do something now so it still took them, I think, about 20 minutes to settle back into the game. But around the 25th minute, they they took control of possession and they took control, um, you know, in attack. They were doing quite well. Um, they they it it took a while to put it all together because I don't yeah. I don't I don't know if the Grosso goal really counts as putting it all together because it was kind of a cross that just happened to deflect off an Ireland player. Yeah. Um, the Leon goal, though, that that was like the moment where you know Canada did look at its best, and the halftime substitutions were brilliant. Um, one hundred percent, the right call from Bev, Bev Priestman. I think, you know, we we were both saying before this game that Sophie Schmidt has to start, and she didn't, but she still played the thirty minutes and won the performance of the match. Um, at least the, the Canada soccer one. So that was um. I think, yeah, that was definitely much improved. I think they looked miles better in the second half and also then from against Nigeria. Oh, oh, fully. Um, and I believe, yeah, like you're, you are totally right. Um, I think that saying that that sort of own goal doesn't really count in a sense, but ha- having it happen when it did, I think was absolutely paramount. Yeah. Because it gave them that confidence as soon as that halftime hit to be like, okay, look, this isn't over. We're not, it's not doom and gloom. 
we're we're back into it because even though it was an own goal, yes, it was it was just barely an own goal. So like there was there was nice to go in that one. It wasn't a, a horrific mistake where they couldn't at least take some credit for it. And it also does give them like gratification because they had been doing a lot of things right, except it's just that final ball or the final touch has been just yeah. not the best for Canada in this tournament. That's like kind of what we're seeing. So they definitely, from the amount of pressure they were doing, and they were being a lot better in that category. So um, of like that, that the final touch or whatever in, in the attacking third. And given that they were starting to do that a lot better, I think they they definitely did deserve a goal. That's for sure. Absolutely. And and just to start to touch back on you, I, I fully also agree. Those halftime substitutions, um, I know Buchanan was still having like a fairly decent game, but she you know, was injured, so yeah, like this that was a perfect opportunity to to get her off, putting on Schmidt in that regard to give her those minutes when, when she was absolutely outstanding um in that performance because they were it was a really really good one um and, and you could see she was going all in because again sinclair as soon as you you bring sinclair and you, you know what the intention is you clearly show what your intention is but then pairing her up with schmidt was a, a, a brilliant move and it, it it clearly it clearly paid off like less than 10 minutes later um with schmidt getting the assist on that goal for leon so I think I think that was a really really good move. It was nice to see them and their their style of play this time versus you know the Nigeria game where everything I don't want to say looked lackluster, but just didn't didn't look like the urgency was there so to speak. It wasn't lackluster. I think it was just more like they. I mean, this is a team where like their only kind of pre-tournament friendly was the closed doors, so. You know, really, just because they couldn't organize friendlies, all these teams had, like, send-off games. No, Nigeria didn't. Um, but Canada had, hadn't had actually played a, you know, friendly in a real stadium, I think, since April against France. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't – so, you know, when you just keep kind of playing yourselves in a closed door against England, like, it, it I'm sure it's, like, difficult to, like, grasp when you're actually right there after not – much competition yeah. sort of so i think they kind of needed that to like get their like bearings right and then against uh ireland who was obviously a tough opponent but is still probably worse than nigeria i think just given like how the tournaments played out and also in the past um i think uh it was it was it was good for Canada, I think, maybe to have this game second. It would have been great to have it first, but I think you couldn't have dropped points against Ireland because given the way that we've seen Nigeria play, um, it was getting a point off them actually looks very good on us now. Mm -hmm. um, so I think having this game second was was a good sign for us. Yeah, I fully agree with you. I, I do think that this was a really because I wasn't sure what kind of a, a a lineup and who to play first and where and what would really work out to our favor. And I, I was also thinking, okay, well, Ireland, you know, if we go first, it'll get our confidence up. We can get it. But I, I agree with you actually, now that I think about it, this was probably the better game to have that wake up call and be like, well, we, we need to figure this out. We need to get these three points. We can't, we can't like be lackluster on this. Cause if we had managed to draw against them, uh, we'd be real, real 
you know, dicey against Nigeria or just afraid or, or the nerves might get shot. Yeah. You know, it's it's not uh, not an easy thing to sort of come back from. And Ireland yeah. knew going into this, they needed this win because it was, oh, yeah. it was and do or die. Yeah, for sure. And they definitely had the crowd at their back in this one too. Um, so I think, I, I think uh, Amy Walsh said it on the broadcast and she said, um, you've, you've um, with this Ireland heavy crowd, it's going to be good pre- preparation for the game against Australia because obviously in Melbourne, they're going to uh, have Hack. many numbers of support. And the reason why they're going to be packing that is because Nigeria pulls in a fairly decent upset, at least from our perspective here, um, by, by taking the game 3-2 and really just making this now an absolute mad dash to the finish line. <sighs> yeah. Um, again, for like the optics, Canada looks a lot better uh, from the draw. <laughs> Holding them scoreless and then they score three on Australia is is pretty good. Um, I think that maybe something was also off with Nigeria in that first game. Although our defense was probably that was maybe our best defensive performance out of the two games. Um, their offense, like Nigeria's offense, still looks relatively typically a bit more silent maybe yeah. um they they couldn't really get anything going there's no kind of pass to Oshawa there's nothing up top which suggested that they could break out in the way they did against Australia mm-hmm. um so I think the fact that they were able to do that does make a good impression on Canada's uh, defense and the midfield too to holding on to that ball um I'm not entirely sure what the possession stats were like for that game. Um, well, for the <clears throat> like for that particular game, like we were looking at 65-35. So Australia had the lion's share of the possession. Yeah. Right. And I, I d- it did look like it. Nigeria were a very counterattacking team because even when you look at just shots, right? You know, Australia was pulling 28 shots. Now the shots on target were to be a little desired. Only eight of them were shots on target. But yeah. when, when you're peppering the goal like that, you'd think that you just, you're going to get the, them on edge. You're going to get them a little bit more, you know, shaky because Nigeria only managed 11. So it's it's yeah. a, quite a disparaging like difference, right? However, I mean, you know, we always see with like smaller nations in the World Cup like that are unfavored. They do sort of play this game and Nigeria, like you got to be fair, they played their game. And they worked. Like, obviously, their game plan was going to be to just refine the counterattack enough until you score a bunch on it. Um, and they did just that. And I think also says something about spirit, that like the can-do spirit of the team, that even when Australia score an added time in the first half, Nigeria go right back and score an added time goal of their own. Because typically that is a like a death spell getting scored on after like in the dying seconds of the first half. Mm-hmm. But Nigeria came back um, and then they score another. And then you know Australia did score one very late, so you could even say it was more like a three-one. But uh, another great uh, defensive performance. Oh, and then the, and the keeper, the keeper again. Nandosier is saved this Christine Sinclair penalty and then 
got, I guess it would be six saves against Australia and a, quite a few more against Canada. Maybe an, if they make the knockouts, early favorite for goalkeeper of the tournament. Absolutely an outstanding. <laughs> you you aren't wrong. Um, and and I, again, just to sort of say like 90, 90 minutes plus the added 10 is when they, Australia managed to get their second goal. So if you yeah. want to know why he says 3-1, that is that is basically a three one. Like the the ball goes in, the whistle's blown. Uh, you know, there's there's no way to even recoup from that. But I I do think uh, Ndozi is is for sure going to be possibly keeper of the tournament if if Nigeria can get it going because they do have to go cup. Like they do have to kind of make like quarterfinals. I think. If oh, there yeah. is the merit for goalkeeper of the tournament. You you definitely can't go any less than that because that's just not fair. Because clearly then the other teams who've made the quarterfinals had a slightly better keeper because yeah. they made the quarterfinals. Yeah. But I, I, when you, when you have that kind of a quality again, 28 shots now, eight were on target. Yes. But that's still 28 shots that are, that are kind of being um, dealt with or stopped or like, you know, the back line's kind of keeping that going. So yeah, it's a, it's a great performance. There's no if, ands or buts around them. And I think that could be the saving grace. And when going into this, knowing that we really need a win over Australia, Nigeria making it through with their game against Ireland is extremely likely um, yeah. based on just how they play. Unless they have a huge falling off, I think that's 100%. extremely, extremely likely. Do you and, think uh, maybe with um, Sam Kerr not being in that, like in the, the squad there um, or, or like playing the match? Because they only made two substitutions for Australia. Do you think that affected them? I think it definitely did because. I do believe Kerr is their captain, and it's not like she brings that finishing. If Kerr, if Kerr was on in her like best form, like um, it would be, I think, quite different because she can do so many things on offense. Her finishing is sublime. But she can also individually get in those areas, which would have meant that Australia would have peppered Nidosia with more shots um, and probably scored a couple more. I think Kerr, um, I'm just looking at an article on the, uh, the Guardian right now, and it says it was from, it is from today. And apparently, uh, the, the they're Australia, like Tony Gustus and Australia are going to assess the risk and reward on the day of the Canada matches from the guardian. Um, so they're yet to decide how they're going to use Sam Kerr. And obviously it is, it's an elimination game. So you have at a home world cup, you've got to play a Sam Kerr in some way, but that tells me that she's going to be coming off the bench. She's going to be very eager to play. Um, and Australia is going to want her to play. And I think it could be more of a super sub thing, but you don't want her to get re-injured, obviously. So I think it, it could be something where if maybe it's a 2-1 lead for Canada or something that's very narrow, maybe even Australia is a narrow lead, they're going to bring her on to, to just add that extra push late in the game. Because I think she could still do it, maybe not for 90 minutes though. So you, that's uh, you are right. Like you don't want to aggravate an injury more. Um, I fully, fully agree. I think the only problem with that sort of a metric is when you have you're you're down three one, right? Um, you're you're coming into like the seventy fifth minute, and you still haven't made any substitutions. 
you get into the 82nd minute, 85th minute, and you're only planning on making those two, you know, you, you'd think at least from the time frame in which you got the first goal, right, just before the first half, and then you you now have to deal with these two other goals and you haven't really gotten anything. You 10 minutes there, my thought is swapping them all out, doing a big change, getting Sam Kerr on there for at least 15, 20 minutes to maybe hopefully get something. Cause yeah, I think just the thing is though, is that when you have like the quality that Australia already has up top with like Ford and Catley and then Mary Fowler midfield can do a lot. I don't know if, even if they're playing poorly, a substitution might not do them that well. Yeah. Like there's there's Chidiak as well. Um obviously and I think I'm not sure if that solves everything because I think you've got to just leave the best players on. Like for Australia, I've no doubt that the bench could do it, and especially if Kurt is on the bench, but a big change, I don't know, because Canada's defense is not easily rattled like that. No. Um, so I think it's going to be their biggest test. And I think you also really, really hope that um, Buchanan it has recovered for the game because it, like she is so crucial. Um, as a center back and Jade Riviere also went off injured like very late in the uh, Ireland match mm-hmm. um, and you also hope that she's all healed to play right back because those are two really 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 crucial players like well we, we, we've seen how Australia is going to attack we know that they're going to be coming yeah. out now more because yeah. again this is now a, a do or die scenario for both teams, actually. For, yeah, like so. This is quite literally. We have to really be contending with the fact of of our backline not being shaky. Um, yes, you know, with with these issues of them, because I don't know if we could sustain twenty eight shots on target like that. I don't know if we could sustain that kind of a game. Right? I don't think we will concede twenty eight shots on target though, because I don't think we're well not on target twenty eight shots and then like oh, 28, 28 shots. Yeah, if we I, get twenty eight shots on target, holy yeah, then shit, we're done. We got big problems. Absolutely done. Like <laughs> they don't even deserve to be there. Um, I it, like I don't think we're gonna give up twenty eight shots because I think that the like double pivot like Grosso and Quinn is like good enough to get the ball the other way very quickly. Yeah. Um now it does depend what the service is like to Heidema and if Sinclair should definitely start. I think I think that if it does come down to like a Sinclair or Fleming situation, I think you go with Sinclair. You take that risk that Canada could get a penalty again. And Fleming is like the one who can handle those situations better than anyone else. Um, and you need to score if you get a penalty. You need to score in the seven match. Mm-hmm. But I think it is a bit more unlikely. And I think that Sinclair is will bring more to this team. And I think as the captain, and she will maybe bring some more of like a calming presence if if things you know, get out of hand if things get frantic. Um, and I would also like to see Sophie Schmidt start. I like those two, like the Sinclair and Schmidt partnership. It, you it need worked, to have them on for more than 45 so minutes. Oh, well, you it works so damn well. It's it's perfect, it's honestly perfect. And I think, uh, 
you've you've got to have a good start in this game. But I think Rosa was a, a bit better in that in that Ireland game than Nigeria. Um, yeah. So it's going to be difficult. But like you want to have a difficult choice as to who is going to start. But I think Sinclair definitely does start for that. Um, and you hope all the injuries heal because. It would be very bad if we went into a game without one of our center backs um, and our right back. Mm-hmm. Like I, like who who do you think we'd kind of put in in that situation if if Buchanan goes down? Is it like a three center back thing, or is it you got to put another player in there? I I think you're gonna have know. to kind of keep that three center back because I don't think we really have someone who's gonna fit that role. Yeah, um, properly. I, I think we're going to have to really focus on potential counterattacks because despite how Canada was kind of coming out and, or, uh, you know, Australia was kind of coming out and attacking Nigeria, it's going to be so much worse going into this game where we're going to have to be on our A game. And I think having that solid, solid defense, we can't be trying something new. I think we're just going to have to go with the tried and tested and then rely on our counterattacks to go forwards. But at the end of the day, I fully agree in, in that having Sinclair and Schmidt in there, because this is going to be a nervous game, no matter what, you know, you, you're going to want people who have that, that backbone, that experience, that like drive the, the been here before kind of thing to calm those nerves. Cause without that, you're, you're running into a risky situation. If something goes bad and, and Australia get an early goal, you know, you could be climbing a mountain instead of just an uphill battle. And yet I feel like that, early goal helped Canada in that Ireland game. And I'm just looking like right now, um, someone like Zdorsky is not the worst replacement at center back. Um, and if Riviere is out, then Alicia Chapman also isn't too bad of a replacement um, there. But no, you're like, you're totally right about you. You can't concede early. It, it, I think it's, it's definitely been different with the Ireland game mm-hmm. because that's a very climbable mountain, but against Australia, you know, like I think Bev Priestman like said like before this tournament that like the motto was gonna be they're they're still like at the bottom of the mountain. There's still like a mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. And it, they they can't afford for it to get any steeper and they can't afford to, you know fall down part of the mountain and have to start from like ground zero again. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully they're all ready, but I honestly, I don't even know if you try to stick with a counter type, like you can, I get it. It, it could suit them. It suits them like better, but maybe you've got it. I think if you like get stuck in and like, really hold on to the ball because on the counterattack is not Australia's game. So just keep the ball away from them as much as you can. Yeah. And bring them out of it. You have to yeah, bring them out of it. Go go into go into a full attacking mode, I guess could could really help us. It, like it, I it's, it's hard to say, I think. Yeah, I think if Quinn has a lot of possession, it, it would bode well for us because mm-hmm. like she's like a two way player, obviously. So I think if if the ball is getting passed a lot to her um, if she's like the quarterback sort of like the distributor, then that 
probably means we're in relative control of the game. Yeah. In, in my opinion. You mean they? They, they, sorry. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so, I mean, with, with Quinn, you, you've seen the possession that they can do. Um, you can see, you've seen what, what Quinn's available and like and able to do. And I, 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 I'd love to see how much like they're playing because again, they have been super instrumental to the midfield and we will need that up in Australia's half so badly because if they're in our end, they're going to be trying to pepper the goal. Fu- I fully agree. And if Buchanan isn't right and ready, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not your, I think Chapman would fit. But I, I really want that experience. I really want that powerhouse. And I think having, you know, Grosso on the back burner um, and Leon maybe on the back burner would do us really, really well in terms of, of if things aren't going our way or we're not getting a goal in and we're, we're not really able to, you know, get that that ball in the back of the net. Um, having that available, I think, is going to be instrumental because we can bring them in and like, like, genuinely like get something out of it if we need to because that that's been some of some of our problems like we saw that with nigeria what we we don't nothing we were doing was working um we couldn't figure it out and this is the game that hopefully that isn't a problem now the the other thing is kellen sheridan is also very reliable too and you know 28 shots would be i mean like if she does have to save like eight, that might be that is a very tall order. But she has been quite outstanding in this. Even though there's been limited shots against her, she has still been quite good. Um, I think at least. I mean, even if we saw in that Nigeria game, even when it's offside, she can make amazing saves, right? So I think it's it's good to have her. At the back, at least as the last line of defense, I would rather have Keon Sheridan than a lot of goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah, I, I I fully agree. So, if anyone's wanting to watch along, the game is going to be tomorrow, six a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, anyone on the West Coast, like poor old Good Paul, luck. you are either up late or you are up early, and. uh that is that is not as much fun, but for us, six a.m. is still fairly fairly early on in the day, so we will be jumping into that. But we are going to go to a quick break, and when we come back, there's a little bit of news, and not always a positive, but some positive stuff that's coming up for Canada soccer. So don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Hi there, Paul there from FC Thirteen Podcast, and I'm here to ask you a very important question. Do you like going to live events? Of course you do. Do you like overpaying for live events? Of course you don't. And that's where our friend SeatGeek come in. SeatGeek is an award-winning ticket platform that serves as both a primary ticket outlet and a secondary ticket outlet. And they use a specialised algorithm that ensures that you get the best available seat always at the best available price. Let me give you a story. I was in Montreal a few years ago and I wanted to check out a Montreal Canadiens game with my parents. We were shocked at the prices that we thought we'd have to pay on the sites we initially looked at. Like We were going there for a pre-season game. The tickets prices were like 
way into the like three digits. Like we were horrified at the price and we didn't we were thinking we weren't gonna go. And then I remember just remembering about SeatGeek. I'd heard about them somewhere before. So I mentioned to my mom and dad we should try SeatGeek to see if we can get tickets for a cheaper price. And as such, we were able to find tickets at an incredibly affordable price compared to all the other competitors out there. And as such, we ended up having a fantastic night at the rink thanks to SeatGeek. And quite frankly, I've never looked back myself when it comes to buying tickets for live events online. But you don't have to just take my word for it. See for yourself with our special discount codes. Use the code FC13POD to get $20 off your first order today to start saving on live events that will create memories to last a lifetime. And now, back to the show. And welcome back. Thanks so much for sticking around. Again, hopefully you like those advertisements. If you didn't, well, then sponsor us so we can change them up. Or just bug us and we'll make a new one. But make sure to use our, our you know, advertisements. It helps out the podcast. It helps us out. It allows us to keep making the content that you might like hearing. Um, we're not going to say you love it, but you might like it. And that's that's all we're going for here. But kind of moving on to a couple of things. Uh, Canada hasn't really been showcasing the Women's World Cup as much as we really thought. I I personally thought going into this one with all the advertisements and, and all the, the hoopla that we'd be getting at least a little bit more from our mainstream media on this particular one. I mean, like it is on TSN, which TSN's is just, done a good job. They, they've, they've done it like they have done a decent job. I will give they've, them full credit for that. But I found the, the CBC has been fairly quiet on it. Sportsnet's been fairly quiet. Um, we haven't really seen a lot of the, the same love that, that a lot of the men's pro cup got. Now, keep in mind, I know the time zone difference is a little bit of a pain in the ass, but just in general, uh, I find that we're not seeing as much of it of just the women's world cup. TSN is kind of benefiting by not having a ton of other sports on at the time, which also means there's no excuse for the other media companies to not jump on that one and take advantage for this. CBC does have a person on the ground who I know is doing a lot of good coverage. Uh, Shereen Ahmed for CBC is doing a lot of good coverage. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got to get like the broader network to be showcasing it too. TSN, I think... Um, they're doing a lot of advertising. Like there are a lot of like billboards around the city and everything around like Toronto, at least and everything like that, um, which have just general like logos, like of the women's world cup, not even necessarily Canada. Like I've seen a lot of Canada versus Australia ads, like, uh, just out and about, but just general women's world cup too. Um, so I think, TSN and given that they brought in a whole kind of outside crew for this also is is good. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think TSN, as much as uh, they don't really like local soccer, they uh, <laughs> they do. They are undisputably the better soccer network than Sportsnet. Um, they because they they are putting I think a, a lot of effort into this. I don't totally remember everything, but like the men's World Cup in Qatar, but I obviously that one you can kind of drum it up a lot more just because Canada's first in 36 years, but I feel like it was somewhat similar to this one in terms of like bringing outside crew and the, the coverage and like the graphics that they did and stuff. And obviously it's it is always going to be tougher, especially because they have a studio crew and their commentators for the Canada games are in the studio. 
Yeah. Which is so tough. Like that, it would, I don't know what your like sleeping routine is or if you're just drinking like Red Bulls until, <laughs> from dawn until dusk, but I guess you don't even have a dusk really if you're covering uh, that in studio, but <laughs> From still, dusk until still dusk. Yeah, um, pretty much. Um, but uh, I, I think they're doing a good job, but you're right, like Sportsnet's got it do something like and i, I, I want to see the good work that you know like cbc you know the, the single reporting you would just want to see that work not going to waste you want to see it being pushed yeah. out and sort of pushed yeah. forwards and and i don't even necessarily mean you know everyone's got to have a constant talk show but just you know getting them all on board getting a little bit more coverage the replays of the games i and i will give credit tsn is doing at least a good job of trying to replay some games so that way they're on it like midday people can they have like a highlight it. show and stuff so yeah but i think i think the other networks not really taking full advantage like uh, cbc not being all in on this and like blowing it up everywhere is what doesn't make much sense to me based on the nature of it but that's that maybe it's just my opinion i think tsn it might be somewhat of a hint like given uh this year they got like canadian rights to nwsl and then they're putting a lot in for the Women's World Cup, and you kind of wonder if you like connect the dots. Is this going to be an effort to be the broadcaster of the the Women's League coming to Canada? Which I'm not totally sure what the start date's going to be. They say 2025. I'm not entirely confident because it's going along pretty slowly. The news is pretty spread out, but um, you wonder if maybe this is all kind of a lead up to that for them. Maybe. And and maybe it is kind of a tester ground to see if it's sort of sustainable. I really hope that's not the case because that's not fair to judge when Canada's playing at six o'clock in the morning um, to be like, what are our viewership numbers? But I, well, I do think more engagement. Yeah, well, yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. There was one reasonably timed game, um, hoping that you know if everything goes well with Canada against Australia, our other games will also be reasonably timed. Um, I mean, we'll we'll definitely see. Some of them are are you know 10 p.m. Some of them are 1 a.m., which isn't bad, but some of them are at 3:30 and 4 a.m. Yeah. The, the Olympics were also well watched on CBC too, so they can also kind of take hints from that. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a much better time frame though, to be honest. Um, yeah, it was a much better time of day. I I think if we can get them on board more, like it would be nice to see if we get into the, the you know, the quarterfinals round of 16s, more, more stations sort of pick them up. Um, you get a lot more contents coming out of it. Uh, and then you really just get bigger push to, to get it into people's eyes. Cause that's at the end of the day, that's, what's going to do it. Uh, people are going to enjoy it when they see it, they're going to really get on board. And the further Canada goes, we are a bandwagon country, no matter how much I don't want to be, we when we're not doing well nobody cares but as soon as we're doing well everyone you know is like oh i've always loved them i've always well, you're, you're not a bandwagon you're no. not part of that community no well i'd hope no one on this podcast is part of a bandwagoner community but most i, I and i'm sure you noticed this too in the men's world cup when we qualified more people kind of came out and said oh yeah ken's world yeah men's world cup oh yeah and it's like have you ever watched a canada game in the past like five or six years do, do you pay for one soccer no yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do you pay for one soccer no that is not what i one. thought i don't pay for one soccer so don't use that as a metric but uh, 
No, well, Fubo, yeah, I use Fubo, but not uh, not giving one soccer directly any money. They blocked me on Twitter, and I still haven't forgiven them. So, uh, <laughs> so moving moving on at least a little bit to something a bit more positive. Um, it kind of overall interim deal has been reached with the CSA. Now there hasn't been all of the information sort of laid out there. We don't have all of the facts, at least on our hand here. But from what we can tell so far, um, as reported to you by the CBC uh, and Canada Women said that the deal ensures equal pay to the men's team within the constraints created by Canada's soccer financial situation. So what that exactly entails, I'm not too sure. But I mean, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I'm. I mean, it's like it's for one tournament, and you you hope they go far. So it's you know more money going to them because they kind of to uh, help make up a bit for a long time where the CSA has been sucked with this uh, a lot. <laughs> um, so that's even probably more incentive to go far that they can uh, really kind of screw over CSA with the um, the pay and stuff like that. But um, obviously the, the, the problem is with is that there's not going to get much more money because the CSA is not exactly deep pocketed. So it's, it's, it's a good change and it's good that we're making those steps. And it's good that I'm sure going to be renegotiating right after this tournament to actually make a, a real like 10 year CBA or whatever. But the, they're not, like both teams are not getting much right now for playing for country just because CSA doesn't have that type of money. And I'm, I think it, it's good that Nick Bontis is not there anymore mm-hmm. um, because I think he only brought it backward. So it's good. There's new leadership with DeVos and, and all that. Um, but just given the financial situation that the CSA is in, I don't think you're going to find yourself with much more money. Uh, no. You probably will, but I don't think it's going to be as monumental of a thing as when like the U S women got equal pay, because that's, that's a federation with a lot of cash. Whereas considering like we don't, it's, it's amazing, but it's, it's not going to make you a millionaire any more quicker. No, <clears throat> a lot of this just stems from the, the shitty, broadcast agreement that the csb has done with the csa so canada soccer business has done with with canada soccer association yeah and this is this is the biggest issue because we know how much the women's teams are getting right um they did increase the amount uh fifa did increase the amount for the women's tournaments right so each each member association will receive 1.56 million for exiting in the group stage um and then up to 4.29 for the championships with each player of the entire tournament receiving at least 30,000. So that is a good, like not great because, you know, if you consider the fact that you are quite literally the best of the best and that's why you're at this tournament, it's not the greatest of pay, but, you know, seeing that it does jump up a lot if you go to the quarters and the, the semis, it's just whether or not this CSB deal is really going to fuck over the money coming into the CSA, which needs it. And then the, the players who need it even more. Yeah, I yeah, no, for sure. I think like 
every time Canada wins a game or advances around, it's just CPL looks more more and more pretty every time they win a they they get through a round. But um yeah, again it's like steps in the right direction, but it's they they need more than just these steps. And it's gotta happen quick too. I, I think given that they have done this, they can just like go back to the bargaining table, they'll say like Okay, we we've done this. Let's just keep it like this. Hopefully, they go like a couple more rounds, like to the quarterfinals, so they can really show like we're worth it. Um, mm-hmm. Which they shouldn't. They they have a gold medal. They shouldn't have to. But we know with Canada soccer, it can <laughs> it can uh, it can take uh, can take some time. But um, I think also what's like interesting. So this coming February for twenty twenty four, there is going to be. Uh, the first ever like CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup. Um, and then in the summer, there's the Olympics. So as long as you get a deal sorted before 2024 with a lot of tournaments, I think it will be good because the men also have the Copa America. So as long as that is all sorted out, it should be, it should be good. Yeah. Yeah. And this, and to be fair, this should have been dealt with a long time ago because they've been without a deal since 2021. So wow, yeah. This is this is something that absolutely should have already been done and dealt with, considering the fact that they are Olympic gold medalists coming into the World mm-hmm. Cup, and you know, knowing if they go far enough that they're still going to kind of have to fight once this tournament's over with everything else coming up. Man, I really hope that this isn't the case. I hope this is done. They finalize it. Like if the deal is good enough. For, for the women's, you know, the players yeah. in the association, I hope that, that they accept it, that it's good enough for them um, and I mean, can ratify it fully. Yeah, you hope that maybe... It, you hope that maybe um, the CSA opens up with a deal that the women don't have to, like, fight to get more of. Like, you hope they open up with saying, okay, we're do like, equal pay. Like, what else do you guys need? Um, as opposed to they start low and then it's a really like drawn out the fight from the women seem to get more. Mm-hmm. What's you hope, they, you hope they start with something fair. Yeah. And it's not, and this is, this is a, a you know, point of my opinion and, and you can say what, you know, disagree or not. I think the women's team sort of need it more than the men's do because I think, and I think the men, anyone at this level should absolutely be getting paid properly for it. But because the women's don't have the same level of income coming in from their club games, this isn't, you know, it's not a fair juxtaposition. You know, you get people who are playing for, you know, Bayern Munich making a fair bit of money. And, you know, you have people playing for these European clubs who who are now on offer and going to be up in different places making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars already and then you have players in you know the nwsl who's the pay dock it's not going to be as high i i think this is the opportunity that they need to really get that in there because that that funding helps not just them but you know again incentivizes people to play for canada because remember this is still it's still a national team where any solid player with dual citizenship can pick someone else who they know they're going to have more pay mm-hmm. and they're going to be able to actually you know feed themselves um, I also think it is probably worth mentioning and no shade at the men's team at all. Like they are, they have been like very good recently, but you know, with the world cup and everything, but if anyone even deserves more pay than the other, it would be the women's team. 
And if anything, the men's team should be going to the bargaining table saying, like, we want equal pay as the women's team because the women's team has been so much better throughout history um, <laughs> than the men have. And it's, like, kind of shocking that they... I bet, like, through winning a lot that they probably... Like, during the spell of, like, 2012 to 2021, when they had two bronze, one gold, the men had no trophies, no World Cups, even, that, they, like, they probably brought in more revenue. Um, So, they should be getting more. It's, like, simple as that. They should be getting a lot more, and they should have been getting more for a long time now. Just not not just not just because yeah. it's the right yeah. thing, but just because they are better. They, they've just been genuinely better. Um, and that is kind of a hard thing to argue. I think I think you're correct in that one. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to to say otherwise. They actually they've gone further. They've technically won more. Um, again, the Olympics, while you know, from a men's side, maybe doesn't have the prestige, but the women's side very much does. And yeah. that that right there is enough. I think that should should solidify that this shouldn't be an argument. This shouldn't be a fight. And you know, you're you're penalizing the ones who have brought home medals, and then you know the men's all of a sudden it's like, oh well, you know, we'll just give them kind of whatever's needed. We made a World Cup, guys. It's more give them yeah. more. Yeah, it is. It is a bit a bit silly. And again, the women's World Cup is only going to make more and more. They see the pressure from it, so. I, I I could very much see by the next Women's World Cup, you know, coming up there in, in 2027, that the pay is going to be from FIFA about the same as the men's. Because again, it's it's only growing and it's a growing exponentially. Yeah. Um, that the, the thing that stands in the way is that since the men have, is going to have more teams in the World Cup, that is going to definitely bring in more money. And more host cities, so they will like the the cash will only inflate for the men just because of the scale of the next tournament. Um, you're obviously more stadiums and everything to sell more tickets, more teams and everything to sell more broadcasting rights. Um, whereas women, if they keep it at 32 teams, they're not going to have that. Uh, but you you hope I. To be honest, I don't think it's realistic, but I really do hope that it is the same as the men's by yeah. 2027. Again, it, it may not be, but you can see the disparity definitely close up. Uh, I think, yeah, I think because again, with with the tournaments that they're now adding, the interest is just going to further. Right, adding these other yeah. women's tournaments are all that's going to do is just add more. The Olympics have that extra boost to it. Right. So it, it means that FIFA in being the money hungry ones they are, they're going to want to take away that prestige. I can see them wanting to take it away. So throwing more money into it and add it. Yeah. Could very much be their method of being the, like, look, we are the premier one. Uh the Olympics don't mean nothing. Look at this other nations league that we have and look at this other gold cup that we have and look at these. Like these are the prestigious ones. Yeah. Um the like I think the kind of Cool thing with women's world is that there are two World Cups because there's the Olympics and then there's the actual World Cup. I think yeah. the Olympics prestige yeah. will never go away because in the men's game, you're only allowed to have three players that are over 23, like on yeah. a team, whereas the women's, there's no age limit, right? So 
given that you can play your best team, the like and it's the Olympics and the history of like that with women's football, it's always going to be there. I think. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it'll go away, but I think I can see FIFA trying to take it away. Yeah, they don't, they're not. They don't make a single penny on it, right? Uh, aren't they in some way associated? Like it does. Like they don't make money off it, but they are associated with it in some way. Like in terms of FIFA ranking. I don't know. I'm not too sure if the FIFA ranking. Um or like they were like they provide like VAR technology or something like that. I, I swear there's like some form of association with the Olympics and FIFA. I th- I think there might just be from a governance standpoint, like if you're banned, you're you're banned as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But I don't know. And and obviously, if we are we are wrong in this, get in Twitter, let us know at FC13 Podcast. Um, but yeah, that's as far as I, I believe is that the governance and you know rules and regulations and what's up to date in terms of the rules. But then again, I don't think they get to see a single penny from it. Um, yeah. Which is which is at the end of the day, what FIFA cares for. Right. When we boil it down, that's that's yeah. <laughs> kind of what they care about. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see if anyone knows different. Please let us know. Um, but with that, I think we're going to have to sort of call it. Make sure to be checking out the Canada against Australia tomorrow, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you can, um, if not, turn the scores off and check out the game afterwards, because like I said, it is a do or die game. We need this win to sort of progress. But Australia. Also, very much knows that this is a do or die game for them. It's a do or die for them. It's do or die for us, but a draw would also get us through and knock Australia out. So, Australia, long story short, they need a win, and that's the only thing they can get, really. Um, I'm not totally sure, like on goal difference, maybe not. Maybe they could get a draw and somehow get through. If, like, probably not, though. Um, but also, Nigeria and Ireland is at the exact same time. And that is 100% a game to watch. Even though Ireland are eliminated, it's like Canada, they were eliminated, but they still have to play their best because they want that first ever World Cup win, right? Ireland is going to be the exact same. Yeah, Ireland is going to be going out guns blazing. They are not going to sit down for this one. They are very much going to be going for a win. So both games, if you got dual screens, put them on. So it is really going to be something to watch for sure um and we'll see i mean hopefully we make it through and we're on to the round of 16 but in the meantime where do we find you thomas uh thomas here 22 on twitter and uh 13th man sports.ca where you can see more of his articles and more deep dives into a lot of the world of football also make sure to check out more of a lot of our stuff there because we are on youtube um some of the stuff is a bit older we are on tiktok again some of the stuff is a bit older. We do apologize there. We're getting more stuff up. And we also have our Patreon. So again, you can actually support us that way as well. Make sure to, for Thomas to check out Islands to Igloos. It is a fantastic podcast where you deep dive into the Gold Cup and a lot of the smaller nations and tournaments and stuff that you don't normally get to see. Absolutely fantastic to check out. You can find me at the Andre McRae and FC 13 podcast again contact the FC 13 podcast if you have any questions or you want to get your questions on the episodes or have suggestions for episodes for us to do so remember guys thanks so much for listening and listening and watching to the FC 13 podcast is a lot like watching football through a microwave <laughs>